everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk on this beautiful Friday where we talk about shrinky stuff and horror. I love fall. Me too. The weather has shifted in SoCal now, so I get to have a blanket on my bed with a comforter and I get to wear my my roots, my jammies, yes, my warm jammies. I got to wear a sweater earlier this morning when I woke up. I wore a beanie the other day <gasps> in the mornings, especially Holy like, but crap. like needing it, not yes. just for like fashion. No. <laughs> Because those of right. you who don't live in Southern California, many people wear that in like August for fashion. For sure. When you really need one here, you're like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's usually like early mornings. You get up, you walk or run yeah. or go out and about and do stuff. And, you know, by the midday, maybe not right now. Um, Although there was one day last week, the entire day was cold. And I was like, wow, it's not getting any warmer. Today. Yeah, it was Dang overcast it. a lot last week. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. So that's how we roll in SoCal. I know a lot of you live in places that that's... <laughs> that you're like, 40 is not cold. You're like, whatever, California. But you know what? We are all where we are. We are. So we all have a perspective. I think you have some horror news. Yeah, well, I do. I, do I loved this story just because I think the Academy of Motion Pictures sucks. Are you going to talk about this too? No, no, I know about this. <laughs> okay. It's on my list. I love this so much. So <laughs> for those of you who are fans of Art the Clown, okay, <laughs> Terrifier 2, there's a little Oscar buzz. And, you know, they say there's truth and jest, right? So Brad, is it Miska? What's his I don't name? Know. I have it on here. Sure. Yeah, Brad <laughs> Miska from A Bloody Disgusting. He said, this is completely fan-driven every step of the way, but we're figuring out really how many people have been promoting this. And on Wednesday, November 2nd, which is a little while, a little while ago now, they officially submitted the clown horror movie for Oscar's consideration, mostly as a joke, Miska says. But he says, let's see how many members of the Academy we can get to pay attention to a horror movie that precisely none of them would ever watch on their own. (laughs) And so for those of you who haven't heard anything about it, they're calling it the most gruesome and vomit inducing film since The Exorcist. It is an uncensored indie sequel and it's become a surprising box office hit. People have fainted, vomited in the theater, which we don't see as much of anymore because shock value is like, eh, it takes a lot. You have to really cross the line. So they really cross the line. Mm -hmm. But I love this because it's like, sure, why not? Let's try to bring some horror back into the Academy. It's art. Yeah. Art the Clown. Art the Clown. And he's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I get screeners. I I will let you guys know. Did you see it? Not yet. Okay. One... I have access to it, though, so we'll see. I mean, it's on my list. I just haven't made it to it because it's so fucking long. Is it really? Isn't it long? It's like two and a half hours long Jesus, because the first one's like not even 90 minutes. No, I know. When I first saw that, I was like, (laughs) I don't know. That's going to be... The first one really fast, like traumatized me. Yeah, it's two hours and twenty eight minutes. Oh my god! And that was why I haven't watched it yet. But I will because. But here's here's what I was gonna say is I will let you guys know if <laughs> if I if I get it as a screener because w- that will mean that somebody's putting money into actually getting it nominated. Um, I'll also let you know if it shows up at any of the oscar like selling events that i that i go to i have one next weekend so (laughs) we'll see and then if 
I, I, I'm a member of the Producers Guild, and so I vote in their awards ceremony, which is one of the many. It's like there's a SAG Awards and PGA Awards and Director Awards and Oscars and all of that. If it actually shows up on a ballot somewhere, like I'll let you know. I'll let you guys know. That's awesome. But we'll see. Go Brad. Yeah, go Brad. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> one thing I wanted to mention is that... <laughs> So Stranger Things Day, Netflix made something called Stranger Things Day 2022, and it, it was actually November 6th, and Netflix previewed a full schedule of events, and I just wanted to let Kathy know because I know she's a huge fan. That's awesome. I, I obviously love Stranger yeah. Things as well, but so this year, experience Stranger Things 4 Volume 2 on the big screen for the first time. Across the country, fans are encouraged to come dressed to impress in their favorite Stranger Things. And there's all these different markets, L.A., New York, Miami, etc. So they did that whole thing with costumes and prizes and all that. Starting at 11 a.m., Pacific Standard Time on November 6th, fans and newcomers alike join virtually in our Strangers Things world on Roblox. So audiences are able to watch the first episode of the series and interact with an immersive oh, world cool. of Hawkins like never before. And then there is a website, roblox.com backslash Stranger Things on the 6th for the full experience. Now, I realize you guys are listening to this after the 6th and so, but I just wanted you guys to know, like maybe check out the website, see if it's still there. Throughout the day, there's news, debuts, all of this. So I'm sure you'll be, you will have already heard about this. It'll be, of course, have been tweeted and Instagrammed and all that shenanigans. So party at the experience for Stranger Things Day. So there's like a party experience. There's a store. There's an official store, which I'm sure will be up long after November 6th. So you yeah. can check that out. It's, it's strangerthings-store.com. And Walmart target amazon zara kids a bunch of other things you'll find exciting new stranger things merch so check that out walmart's gonna have a bunch of stuff so there's like a list of forty-five thousand things like the french fashion company balmain is launching a stranger things collection hmm. like fashion japan's doing something italy's doing wow. something u.s is doing something i hope you guys caught some of it but i'm guessing it's going to last longer than the day because it's stores. And, and what is the, money what is to it be made. actually called? Stranger Things Day. Day. 2022. And the article that I'm reading from is on Bloody Disgusting. And it's called Stranger Things Day 2022. Netflix previews the full schedule of events. And so there's all this shit from November 6th. So I just wanted to let you know. I'm sure there's some residual you can check out. and Very cool. Do the do. All right. Let's talk books a bit i wanted to give you a quick update oh, okay. on some, a piece of trivia oh do that do you remember when we had the safety coffin question a couple of weeks ago it was I like do. okay so we you and i were like what the i mean apparently a lot of people have heard of this but i just wanted to clarify what it actually was and what they used it for because i okay. did a little research oh nice so I, think I asked you some questions yeah you were like what i go well, let me <laughs> look i go let me look into it yes. which i did so yes. um the safety coffin was made before modern medicine could decipher or safely identify whether someone was more in a coma state or dead. Yep. So people would get buried alive. They still make that mistake sometimes. They do. So they would be given a bell they could ring from down under 
And the very first one actually had a window to allow light in, an air tube, and a special pocket with a key for the coffin lid and tomb door. So if someone woke up, they would have a way of alerting someone or getting out themselves. Isn't that crazy to think that was like a thing? Makes sense. And I did another piece on trivia a a while back, and I can't remember who the dude was, and I'll go back and look at it. It might have been... Salvador Dali or one of those guys, they, that was their fear. And they would sleep with, they would sleep with something to make sure that they were never like buried alive. Cause some people actually have a huge phobia around that, which mm-hmm. is interesting. But yeah. So I just thought that was like terrifying to think about. Cause you know, being buried alive is just the idea of that is. Oh, I think that's pretty horrifying for most people. Honestly, mm. that's probably pretty universal. Correct. Thank you for that. I always like to bring the light stuff. Appreciate the clarification. Uh, We finished a book in our Terror Talk book club, which is on our Discord, called Perfume, the Story of a Murderer by Patrick Suskind. And John E. Woods is the translator for us because it's not, was not written here. No, it's not. French, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Huh. How to, okay, so in the slums of 18th century France, the infant Jean-Baptiste Gouinoui is born with one sublime gift, an absolute sense of smell. As a boy, he lives to decipher the odors odors, of Paris and apprentices himself to a prominent perfumier teaches him the ancient art of mixing precious oils and herbs and boy do we learn a lot about that in this book i think this book is more about the chemistry of perfume so we have one member of our book club pepper who loves that kind of stuff and so actually really love that part of the book which is a lot of the book you you go nerd town on how perfumes are made and so she dug it the rest of us did not dig it and wanted it to go away Okay, anyway, go ahead. Let, let me continue. But Grenouille's genius is such that he is not satisfied to stop there, and he becomes obsessed with capturing the smells of objects, such as brass doorknobs and fresh-cut wood, which, as you guys know, this really plays into the wave of perfumes that's happening right this minute, which are exactly this. Weird-ass scents that you, you can get candles, perfume that smell like oil, rubber a haunted house grass fog all that stuff so this honestly is so topical that we read this book because it's so popular okay let me continue then one day he catches a hint of a scent that will drive him on an ever more terrifying quest to create the quote-unquote ultimate perfume the scent of a beautiful young virgin So you can see where this is going. Told with dazzling narrative brilliance, perfume is a hauntingly powerful tale of murder and sensual depravity. So sounds pretty great, right? Has a a 4.03 with over 400,000 ratings. And just like with World War Z, because that was super popular, my book club hated the fuck out of this book. This was so (laughs) fucking bad. And I apologize because it was my... See how popular it is? And my little book club just fucking hated it. (laughs) Because the first 350 pages, that's not even 350 pages, but the first 350 pages (laughs) was about another character who ends up becoming really obsolete in the book. 
And the main guy, his purpose really doesn't get brought in till the last 30% of the book. Right. And the also within the first 350 pages, you are learning a lot about um, perfume scents that have nothing to do with murder or death, but just the chemistry of perfume over and over and over and over and over. I hated this book Mm -hmm. and I would say that there was nothing redeeming about any of the characters, nor did I really care what happened to him in the end. And I know that people will say that some of this has to do with classism and poverty and all. It just didn't land for me and I didn't care enough about anyone or the fucking perfume. Yep. We feel no kind of way about that. (laughs) Well, I feel a lot of ways, but no good ways about that. (laughs) So sorry, folks, because I've heard from people in my own life how much they loved it and that I should read it. And I mean, that's where you got the recommendation from. I'm like, okay, I've heard it's great. I know it's a popular book. I like to read all the classics. Thank you. No, thank you. Well, yeah. And I'm always glad we read these books because then we form our own opinion. That's right. Like, that was the way it was with World War Z. Oh. Intensely, pro- intensely popular book. They made it into a movie, just like they made this book into a movie. So, you know, I think the reason for that, I've got to understand that the reason for that is because of its uniqueness. I'm not saying it's a good book because I didn't like it either, but it's unique. It is unique. I mean, I think that's what pulls you in as well. Is you're think- like, oh, wait, a perfume a perfume person from France and you know, the mid 1700s is cause you, you bring up Jack the Ripper, you know, you're thinking that thing. Yes. You're, you're thinking you, the, that concept thing. the concept was great. It was great. And there were bits I liked. And I mm-hmm. remember that in the beginning, so in the beginning I was, I was, I was all over it. Like the first chunk, the way we kind of break up our reading. Usually if you want to do paste reading is it's kind of like 25% each week takes usually about four weeks to get through it. We tried to, we tried to do this one faster and then we all like imploded in the middle. And I was like, we're going to have an extra week to recover because we couldn't do it fast. Cause it was so boring in parts. But in the beginning I was like, okay. And then you get to this part where something happens and it shifts and you're like, oh, that's unexpected. Okay, okay. I can keep going. And then, yeah, no. Then 200 pages later, yeah, something then, happens. Then it just fell apart. But like that, like I say about movies, the first act, usually not as hard as the other acts, yeah. right? So, and then there was a bit at the end. Act three is the second easiest thing to do when you're writing mm-hmm. is the, you know, the crescendo, the climax and the denouement at the end and how things wrap up. You know, a lot of times people can't land that, but I, you know, act one and act three, uh, I could tolerate, but then that 200 pages in the middle where we learned about how to make all the perfumes and characters that never went anywhere. We didn't care about like, what are you filling my life with? And one of the reviews I read was like, I want my two weeks back. (laughs) I dove into this book expecting a hell of a lot more than I dragged out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's that. All right. So we have started reading a book that, like most books, Act One was pretty good. We finished the first 25% of it today. (laughs) And it's called The Invited. I'm liking it. Are you? Mm -hmm. What do you like about it so far? 
Well, so far, I like the the setup. So the, the, again, there's two different stories going on. You mm-hmm. have a, a young couple that decides they want to uproot their suburban life into a, a rural area where they buy this home that's beaten down and they're like, let's put all this money into it, invest it, and um, this is going to be our home. And part of the work is going to be what makes it our home. And they're living out in this little trailer while they're building this home. Well, it's topical because they, they, the wife intentionally wants to do the whole, let's live like the Quakers thing. Yes. And that's very topical these days because a, a lot of people life. have done the, you know, it's starting to wane now, but a lot of people here for the last three, five years have been doing the mini homes yep. and the let's thought the land and let me make my own butter and all that shit. Yeah. So, so there's that piece, right? And they move into this old town that has a lot of history, mostly surrounding like the supernatural, some witchcraft. And there's another family that lives quite a ways down Um, And think small town, right? Like, you know, all your neighbors, you know, everybody lives there, you know, the history, everybody knows each other's business. Mm -hmm. And this one family in particular has a a younger daughter who recognizes that this family moves in and she is just not digging it. She's Mm -hmm. like, I don't like these rich folk moving in here and thinking this is a cute idea when this is, you know, and one of the reasons why she is uh, adamant about them not being there is without giving too much away historically on the land there's supposed to be a treasure that was buried by a woman who was known to have some supernatural or or witch-like powers she leaves this treasure for many many years it's sort of like they don't know if it's an urban legend they don't know if it's truth but this young girl is really sought she's seeking out to find this treasure and she feels that this family might actually get in the way of that. And there's a lot of things going on in her family of origin as well, which gives her more reason to do that. So, and as this is all happening, the newer family that moves in is serves as the narrator of the book, letting us know what happened to that land at the time. And the wife is now starting to experience all of these weird illusions, sounds, sensations, things that are going on as they're rebuilding this house. That's basically telling them that they're unwanted there. And it's really early on, but I, I think the characters are being developed really well. Even like the aunt of the, the daughter mm-hmm. of the younger daughter. Yep. Um, there's a lot about both families that we know from like a mul- like multi-dimensional way. And then I also like the root of the story. That's almost like a, like a third, like it's a third dimension to the story. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm caught by I, yeah, I like yeah. it. So far, so good. Act one, act one. So far, so good. It's called The Invited by Jennifer McMahon. She's a best-selling author. Uh, she wrote this book called The Winter People. Uh, it's ghosty. It's witchy. I'm digging it so far. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back at you when we're all the way done to see if it, uh, if it, I don't know, if it won. If it see if it us. carries. It's yeah. definitely better than Perfume so far. So far, yeah. I mean, like I was saying, I liked Act One of Perfume as well, but this is a better Act One than it was. And I don't always like the books where I think it's a it's a difficult thing to do well where you switch off chapters. So this is one of those ones where you've got two stories and you're switching off chapters. I don't always like dueling narratives like that. So I was, when I looked at the table of contents to break down the book, to break it up and stuff into chunks, I was like, oh no, it's one of those. So I'm not always a big fan of that, but I'm, 
but there a lot of writers do it, so I go with it. So I'll I'll let you know if me personally <laughs> feels like it was necessary to do it that way, mm-hmm. or if it works out in in that sense. But yeah, we'll see. So far, it's working for me, but I know what you mean. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean if it if there's a reason and it works really well, great. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. It's yeah. just hard to do. I know it's hard to it do. It is. I think you had another book you're reading. I have, you yeah, want to mention. I'm reading a book by Paul Tremblay who wrote the Paul Bearers Club. I'm He's reading. Great. I'm reading a book called A Head Full of Ghosts. When I am too. Are you serious? That is weird. We did not talk about this. Wow. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm almost halfway. Don't give it away. I'm almost halfway through it. Okay. Um, I don't know how far you are. I'm going to check. I'm going to check. Okay. Uh, One of the reasons I read it is because it was one of Stephen King's top recommendations. Oh, wait. This is the one I finished. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. I will not say anything. Okay. Um, When you're done, we'll talk about the whole thing. All right. So I, uh, one of the reasons I picked it up is I was at, I was actually at the Powell bookstore in Portland and, um, one of the reviews on it was Stephen King said it was one of his top recommendations as far as it being pretty terrifying. And I started to read it and I was also captured by the the fact that the family's name is Barrett and that's my last name. So I thought that was really funny. Um, so far I'm really liking it. So the plot involves an American family from Massachusetts under financial and emotional strain when their 14 year old daughter, Marjorie Barrett exhibits signs of severe mental illness. The story is told from the point of view of Marjorie's eight year old sister, Meredith or Mary Barrett. However, the point of view also has another layer. Mary's story is told in flashbacks. She's a 23-year-old, she's 23 years old now and is telling her story to a writer named Rachel Rachel Neville. Themes include elements of Catholic exorcism, reality reality TV, and there's a lot of, they they point to a lot of similarities with some of Shirley Jackson's writings, um, like We Have Always Lived in a Castle, which I saw. I kind of see that a little bit. As well of, I'll um, just say it's better than that one. I, I totally agree. That's why I said I kind of agree with that, but that one wasn't great. But so far, I'm digging it. I'm glad. Yeah, don't give anything away. No. This is a great book to go in, like, pretty blind. I mean, obviously, you can know that setup. That's what the publicist wrote or whatever. But they're, they're it, yeah. Yeah, I'm about halfway through. So when I'm done, we'll talk about it. Absolutely. That sounds great. That's I'm so really funny. glad you're reading. No, I know. And it's so funny. I'm like, all the books. I'm like, let me see where I'm at with it. And then I looked it up and I'm like, wait, no, I finished. I remember this book. I finished that book. So yeah, we'll talk about that one. I'll make a note to make sure. Well, you'll tell me. Yeah. You'll tell me and then we'll talk about it. But uh, I I would recommend you read that book for those of you who are just listening and wanting to pick up a book. That's That's a good one. So there you go. (laughs) All right. We are going to talk about the movie Barbarian, which we both have seen. Are we we not doing um, Horror Facts? Oh, my gosh. We started talking about books before we did Horror Facts with Kath. I know. We'll get into movies after Horror Facts. Okay. I forgot. Thank you very much. So this next section, 20 minutes into the show, (laughs) is... (laughs) Don't worry. I never forget. (laughs) Thank you, because... I will, is a little thing that we like to call. Proper blow out of her microphone. That's horror facts with Kath. It's horrifying. It is. I'm horrified already. Shan, number one. In 1965, (laughs) what creature was put on Russia's endangered species list? (laughs) Because I'm always reading about that. Well, I just think supernatural. <laughs> yeah. I figured something horrifying. I'm going to go with it. Number two. 
The derivative of the word Krampus is Krampen, which means what? Okay. I mean, yeah. Number three. Salvador Dali had a specific phobia or anxiety that was reflected in many of his paintings. What was he fearful of? Mm. Mm-hmm. Number four. What is tarantism? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, when I visualize what it is, it's makes you giggle. Yeah. Apparently. Number five. Cannibals describe human meat to taste like this. Okay. So glad we remembered to do that. <laughs> now let's talk about a really good movie called Barbarian. So in a few minutes, we'll talk about the answers to that. <laughs> All right. So we've both seen the 2022 movie Barbarian, and we hope you have too. At least I do, because I really enjoyed this movie. Loved. Loved it. I'm glad. All right. So Barbarian is directed by Zach Krager. I love the long line. Some stay for a night, some stay for a week, some never leave. Okay. In a town for a job interview, a young woman arrives at her Airbnb late at night only to find that it has been mistakenly double booked. (laughs) Yes, sirree. And a strange man is already staying there. Damn it. Against her better judgment, she decides to stay the night anyway. And, but soon after discovers that there is much more to the effect to be afraid of in the house than the other house guest. And this is definitely, let me just say this to everyone. And I don't know if Kathy agrees with me, but this is a movie where you, I want you to go in blind. Totally. We can say that because that is legit the premise and that's not the part you need to be blind to. Just don't read much on it. Don't read much on it. Don't watch reviews. We're not going to talk too long about it. I'm only going to say that, it was great. Same. And, and totally worth it. a watch. Totally worth a watch. I have a feeling it's going to be one of my top movies of the year. Now, this would be an Oscar buzz one for me if we were going exactly. horror. Exactly. If we were going horror Oscars. In fact, what I'm thinking is in January, we should do our own horror Oscars. I was, I oh was just God. thinking. She's I was looking like, at me like, same. Shannon, same. you're a producer. Let's do this. <laughs> we're totally going to do that. And we'll give little awards and everything. Because, you know, maybe we let all of our Patreon members vote. We'll vote. We'll vote. We'll have our own horror Oscars. It'll be delightful. But this might be a contender for me. Like I would maybe put it on the ballot. Oh, without a doubt for me. All right. So that being said, yes, I have also read the buzz where Stephen King said the same thing. Like this is a great Mm -hmm. flick, blah, blah, blah. So do it. Certainly don't take our word for it. (sighs) My God. All right, so watch that movie. Uh, tell us about a bad movie you watched. Oh, God. Kathy, before the show, she's like, I have a bad movie I can talk about. Um, well, let's just say that the resurgence of Shannon Sossaman yeah. was not great. Mm. I loved her back in the 90s, and she was like so flippin' cute and oh, yeah. sexy and fun. And I remember she didn't even really want to become an actress. She was a, a DJ that got spotted and then she just did really well for a while. And I actually, this is, it's not even her fault okay. that this was so bad. <laughs> um, this movie. What is this movie? Is now I need to know. 
It's called Grim Cuddy. Oh. It's new. <laughs> I've seen the bad reviews on this. Yeah, and I and I I always like to watch like you know creature the really bad ones. No, well, creature features, right? Me because me sometimes the villains look flipping terrifying. That's why it was on my list to watch, yeah. and then I saw that it was like really badly reviewed. I'm like, oh. So so this is a, a perfect example of a creature feature that should have just been that, but tried to have too powerful of a oh, message. All right. So in this modern creature feature, a scary internet meme called Grim Cuddy stirs up panic amongst all of the parents in town, convinced it's making their kids harm themselves and others. When a real life version of Grim Cuddy starts attacking teen Asha uh, Kadri, her parents believe that she's cutting herself as part of a challenge. With her phone taken away and no one who believes her, Asha has to figure out how to get through to her parents and stop the Grim Cuddy once and for all. Shannon, Shannon Sossman plays the mother in this, which is so crazy because the last time I saw her in things, she was like, you know, 21. Yeah, right. Um, with like Heath Ledger and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Josh Hartnett. That was her, you know. Yep. And I still really liked her in this. It's just they really made her look frumpy and old. I was like, wow, you've really like unsexified her, if that's a word. <laughs> yeah, right. So where it goes wrong for me other than like, it's just not a good movie. But for me, I think what, because I can still, you know this about me, I can still enjoy really bad horror if there's like a good creature. And where it goes bad for me is like, not every horror movie now has to have this thick of a political message. And the idea mm -hmm. is, it's the fear around the way social media and technology have taken over the lives, the autonomy, uh, the identity of kids. It, it's like they're sucked into it like the matrix. And then all of the fear that parents have around kids getting sucked into that world. Sure. And Grim Cuddy is this metaphorical creature okay. that represents that. So I just think if they would have made it just about a flipping creature who was coming out of something and attacking kids. And, well, and I can see how that would be for you because there's two, three, four movies I could list that you love where it's like the Babadook, you know, the yeah. after the kid, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. For and sure. that one, that one had a, or a, like Slender Man yes. or things we talk about. Like you always bring those up and I think that's a trope that you really enjoy. And Babadook is an example of they, they did use something deep and it worked. This was like not, they should have just left Grim Cuddy as this really disgusting yeah. internet creature without this trying to have this powerful message. Right. Can I make a guess? Because what I'm thinking is these writers or producers or directors or whoever is creating this idea and then making it a story, like there is this whole culture of meaningful horror and horror with a message and there's just mm -hmm. a lot of buzz around that and elevated horror and all these terms we've come up with which mm -hmm. you know whatever a good movie is a good movie everything from terrifier to to midsummer you know it's like yeah. you you can do what you can do but what i'm thinking is is that these writers sit down with the mind to have a message. And I think that's where they go wrong. Write a good film about whatever it is you mm -hmm. want to write about it, whatever you're inspired to write about it. Then upon editing this film, have people that you trust read it and see if there is a metaphor or message that they're picking up Right. that then you can go back through in your edit and amplify a bit because the films that do this well, it doesn't hit you over the head. Now, yes, people like Jordan Peele can make message movies without having to do that. He probably sets out to do it, right? And right. he can do that. But don't don't put yourself on that level. There's well, very few people that can do that well. 
And I think that like the monstrous manifestation of screen time is really not all that interesting. No, like, no. Okay, yes, we're all addicted to screen time. Yeah, and we don't need to turn it in a horror that. movie. Yeah, no, and co- yeah, come up with something better than yeah. that, right? And I would say that we would probably argue that if you come up with something that's a psychological construct, you're probably on the way to a bit better of a yeah. <laughs> movie as opposed to just some kind of simple behavior. Exactly. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, so there's that. Uh, I feel like I have to watch it because it's on the list, but like, no. No, I don't think you need to watch it. Okay, cool. Thanks. I appreciate you letting me off the hook with that. (laughs) (laughs) I also watched a movie called Significant Other that I'm not going to talk too much about, but what I'd like to say is that it is a 2022 movie. And I watched this movie because Micah is in it. Let me find the little description. Ruth and Harry decide to take a romantic backpacking trip through the Pacific Northwest. So I was kind of in already because I like isolation horror. So that's kind of what comes up for me. But amongst the beautiful scenery, Ruth makes an unexpected discovery that sets her off on a strange, frightening new path. The couple aren't alone in the woods and they might not be the same when they come out, if they come out. Now, because this is a 2022 movie and Micah Monroe, Monroe, sorry, Micah Monroe is in it and I love her and that's why I tuned in is I wanted to see, you know, she's one of our newest people who's in horror all the time and she's been in a bunch of things that you've probably seen but you may or may not know her but she's one of those up and coming stars that does a lot of horror. Now, I watched it because of her and because of a lot of reviews that I non-spoiler reviews that I read that were unexpectedly positive. Like it was like, Oh, this movie really surprised me. And then, you know, I read maybe two or three of those. And then it said like, don't, don't learn too much about this movie before you watch it. So I stopped reading reviews and then watched it. (laughs) I was like, thank you for the heads up. So I'm giving you that heads up as well. Mm -hmm. Is that much like barbarian it's, I would not say it's as good as Barbarian, but it's a solid three out of five for me, which means I would watch it again. I think it's worth a watch. It's un, There's an unexpected message and there's an unexpected execution to the story. Don't Google it. Don't do any of that. Just, okay. just throw it in. If you're a horror fan and you don't mind isolation horror and you like a just a solid flick, I, I, would, I would recommend it. I like okay. this movie. Cool. Yep. And then there's just one other movie that I wanted to share with you because it's bizarre. Uh, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. Actually, it's from 2021. And there's only one reason why I want to share it with you is because Kate Hudson is actually in this movie. Yeah, she has a cameo in this movie where, you know, maybe she has three, four scenes. I wouldn't say cameo. Cameo is like one scene. But she has three or four scenes. She's like a minor character in this movie. And she's kind of unrecognizable. I recognized her, but so there is barely any plot in this movie, (laughs) but the performances are great. Ed screen is in it. S K R E I N. I don't know how that, if that's how you pronounce, I know he's really famous and popular. John Young Xiao, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's Mm -hmm. the star and she's amazing in it. Kate Hudson is amazing. I'm like, she needs to do all the horror now and Craig Robinson. So great performances. This director did a movie called A Girl Walks Home Alone. Oh, I know that movie. At night. Yeah. And that's a better film. Okay. But I do enjoy this filmmaker's style and point of view. 
And it, this movie is definitely a mood. Like, okay. it's a mood. And I would watch it because if you like this filmmaker, if you like to keep up with certain young female um, directors and sort of see where they're going. Like I said, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is a better film. This is much more about the performances, checking out Kate Hudson, and it's very stylish and it's very sensory. So not much happens but it's it's a mood. It's very sensory. So, you know, watch with headphones if you're watching at home, et cetera, like that. So, whereas I will probably never throw it in again. It's not like a rewatch movie for me. Uh, those are the reasons why you would watch it. If Got none it. of that appeals to you, don't bother. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So now we have to look at the answers to... <laughs> Kind of sound like Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> I don't know what you sound like. I don't like, know. But. Number one. In 1965, what creature was put on Russia's endangered species list? Bigfoot. Yes. <gasps> okay, that was a total guess, but that was How fun. How funny is that? that that's really fun. <laughs> and I, I wanted it to be Bigfoot. Yeah, who, does, who doesn't? I mean, I was hoping. Number two. The derivative of the word Krampus is Krampen, <laughs> which means what? <laughs> means Kathy's weird. Starts with a C. Creepy, crawly, critter, claws, claws, claws. Claw. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of his feet. Krampus. Oh. I can't wait for those, man. So I got it. Oh, my God. Okay. Two well, for only, two. The only reason why I thought that is because I, I thought of his claws and I was like, what's on him that? That rhymes with Krampus. That's literally that was literally my deduction. So deductive reasoning. It worked. I mean, okay. Salvador Dali had a specific phobia or anxiety that was reflected in many of his paintings. What was he fearful of? Dali. Um, well, I know there were bugs in his paintings, but I don't know bugs. Castration anxiety. Oh, associated sex with decay. Oh Lord, I thought yeah. it was like bugs or clocks or something. Well, he does like those is melting it, clocks. Is Dolly the one with bugs? Yeah, and the melting... Oh, okay. Well, he's the melting clock guy. Uh, yeah, Dolly, he's definitely yeah. the melting clock guy. I don't know about the bugs. You can tell we know a lot about art. Yeah, a lot about Dolly. Okay, number <laughs> four. I know more about Dolly Parton than Salvador oh. Dolly. What is tarantism? Um, I don't know. Okay. Uh, tar- oh, fear of tarantulas. It's better. Ready? Okay. In Italy... From the 15th to the 17th century, it was a form of hysteria that was associated with the bite from a tarantula. They would break out into a form of frenzied dancing, which would allow them to be cured. Uh, just imagine these people dancing, frenzied dancing, kicking all over the place and stuff because they were going to release the tarantula venom. No. People did weird shit. Yeah, I mean... Uh bloodletting i knew it was gonna have something to do with tarantulas but like ew yeah (laughs) and then five the most pleasant question on the list is cannibals describe human meat to taste like this um well i know the joke would be chicken of course but i've read that it was poor yes okay and they are chewier than chicken they say humans are known as long pig Don't anybody try that on me. I don't want to be chewed on. No. 
That's gross. It is gross. And thank you so much for You're your patronage. You're so welcome. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on, you know, the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and consider joining our Patreon membership. We would love to have you. It's a cool crew. And, you know, this has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. <laughs>